Welcome to the Cornerstone Pastors Podcast. I am Brian, who has rested the hosting duties from Scott. Taken them. I have, yeah, I, well, he handed them to me, but that's, you know. In an arm wrestle. Right. <laughs> you, you, you pretty much. Have we ever arm wrestled? I, I, I just realized we haven't, but I'm pretty much, I'm pretty sure you'd kick my butt. When is the last time you arm wrestled somebody? Christmas. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, you have children. <laughs> no, no, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Oh no, we we had uh, arm wrestling and planking competitions oh at goodness. Christmas this, this year. Is you and your brothers? Yeah, my my, my brother. I mean, because that's that happened, and then my stepbrother, steps. So my stepsister is a rock climber, um. and she, yeah, like she's smaller than all of us, and was pretty much like and toasting everybody at everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That oh, that's great. funny. That's good. Well, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I cannot. I cannot remember remotely <laughs> less than an arm wrestle somebody. Um, anyways, I'm hosting, and with me, I have Scott, who you've heard, and we have Nancy Johns, hello, who is uh, yeah one of our one of my favorite people, um, and she's going to be here teaching, uh, not teaching, talking with Scott and us. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry about that. All of a sudden, she got nervous. <laughs> a real nerd. Yeah. Um, what we are going to do uh, in this podcast, uh, one of the things that's especially uh, on the forefront of our lives and kind of minds right now, but is always, is emotions. Um, right now, I think, uh, especially given the last podcast that we, that we put down talking about um, just hopes and fears and regathering and division and like uh, there's so much happening in the world right now. And if you think about it, a lot of it is really inextricably connected to our emotional life and the ways that we react and feel and uh, about these things. Um, they inform our decisions, they inform uh, all sorts of stuff. And that's always true, um, but it seems uniquely true in this season, like most things are uniquely true <laughs> in a weird context like this. And so uh, I've got Scott and Nancy here to talk a bit about that, to kind of guide us through, because emotions are things that we all have, um, but very rarely do we sit and think about them. Um, we normally feel them and act on them, and we don't always think about what they are or how they should inform us or just what to do with them in the first place. We'd make a lot of assumptions, um, at least at least I do, and I think that's not – I'm not alone. And so uh, question one for the two of you, what are these things? Like why do we have emotions? And like some people paint them as either good, you know, like you got to like – if you feel it, do it. And mm -hmm. some people paint them as bad. If you feel it, definitely don't do it because the emotions are the back of the caboose and you got to think and not feel. Like, what What are the, like, why do we have these things and, and are they good or bad? Nancy, you want me to answer this first. Go ahead. I know you do, <laughs> but I'm actually going to, so. You're going to put it on me. So okay. what, 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 what some people may not know actually is that Nancy is one of our counselors here at Cornerstone and, um, I, I would echo, I think, Brian, that, that, that description is exactly right. She's one of my favorite people. Yep. Um, and I think actually one of the, um, if not the most gifted counselor in our midst. Um, and part of that's because she has a just, just a both a great understanding of the word of God, but also a great understanding of, of people, which doesn't, like, it's, it's not about kind of theological, like, let me give you the definition, but just like a, a sense of how in, engaging with people. And so I... I mean, I, I have like a, you know, I, I, I could give a researched answer, but I actually, Nancy, I'd love to hear you. If, if someone were meeting with you and they're struggling with their emotions, trying to figure out like, what should I be, how would you explain emotions to someone? Uh, I don't believe that emotions are the caboose that drive. I mm -hmm. believe the spirit drives us and therefore emotions have a different, uh, different purpose in our life. And I feel like that purpose is that they give us a gauge of where we are. Mm. So our feelings of fear or what we trust and what we delight and what our passions are for, in our those feelings are revealing, you know, if I have a passion for a chocolate sundae, that's not a necessarily sinful passion, but if I'm trying to diet and not eat, you know, a sundae a day, that's not necessarily a good decision. <laughs> yeah. So it's taking that emotion and not letting it drive you, but taking it before God and saying, Lord, what do I do with this emotion? Is this good or bad? Is it revealing something within myself that I need to repent of mm. or change from um, or encourage? Yeah. All of those things. I think that's so good because I think there's, <clears throat> the reality is right, we were created as emotional beings. Right. Right. So 
and we're I think we're emotional because we image God, right? Exactly. And so th- there's this there's this emotional reality to God, which I, Brian, I'll let you try to explain to somebody. But right, there's this nature of who He is, right? Exactly. That has this emotional relative component, and so as His image bearers, that's a part of just who we are. Um, but like you said, it, we're it's been tainted by our sin, exactly, right? And so. In, in that sense, our, our emotions aren't ultimately trustworthy. No. Like we, 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 right. we can't, but what they do is they show us, yeah, they, they show us the, the, they're a manifestation of the desires exactly. of our heart. Right. Um, and which this portion of our heart that is still focused on ourself, they manifest that in real tangible experiences. The, the, the aspect of our heart that is uh, captivated by God's love and, and seeking to worship God, they, they manifest that. And, 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 and it's, it works as a spiral, right? I think sometimes mm-hmm. our emotions also encourage our behavior. They, they, they make our behavior easier. They make our thoughts easier and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and so it, they don't necessarily just exist in a, in a vacuum like that. They, they're intertwined with our behaviors and our thoughts as well. Um, but all like our behaviors and thoughts are, are ultimately these, yeah, these manifestations of right. our hearts. Right. And they also open that door to a deeper relationship with God. Yeah, because we are an image of those emotions that he has of love and desire and passion mm. and what's good and what's right. And our reflection of that draws us into that personal relationship to him. So knowing not knowing him only as a dictator mm. uh, that's setting down the rules, but also as a compassionate person walking alongside us mm. to help us through these decisions and uh, issues of our life. That's, that's so, so interesting, right? Like, like a... Um to imagine what our relationship with God would be like without emotions. Exactly. Yeah, it's so, like, uh, sterile, just intellectual. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, d- right. dictator, right? It would, it would just, uh, but it's a it's a m- aspect of how God's created us so that we can relate to him in, in increasingly I- intimate ways as well. This mm-hmm. is an incredible tool. So, okay. a l- l- little bit of everything. So, <laughs> then, how, um, how do you understand emotions from like a scriptural basis? Because what, what I tend to see is, and experience in a lot of ways, is there's a lot of kind of background assumptions about emotions mm. that are not derived in any way from the Bible. I, just, I bring them to the Bible. I don't get them from the Bible. These ideas of what emotions are and are supposed to be. So how how would scripture speak to me and telling me about my emotions and how to think about them. Yeah, so I mean, I think scripture uses a lot of emotional words to describe both what uh, rebellion against God looks like and what following God entails. Um, You think about Mark 7, uh, Jesus talks about how he says, from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting. That's, that's an emotional term, right? Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, another emotional term. Envy, another one. Slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they, they defile a person. So he's saying, look, th- there, are, there are these self-focused emotional experiences that all come from the heart, that are, are manifestations of the heart. And at, at the same time, the, the fruit of the spirit involves a lot of, of emotion-laden language um, that it, things like peace, right? That, um, or when Paul talks in Philippians about uh, rejoicing in the Lord and, and not being anxious and things like this, like there's a lot of emotional language that, um, that, is, that, that gets described as the, the, the fruit that is produced from our yeah, from our hearts, where, whatever status, where, where, wherever they are, you know, before the Lord. Exactly. I know um, one of my counselees that I, I a long time ago that I was with was struggling just with friendships mm. and um, being so disappointed and struggling to keep friendships and things of that nature. And so we just went to First Corinthians chapter 13 mm. on just the unconditional love that we are cr- – called to to do Mm. and just going through that and it's such a common we all know it verse but if you really peel it apart when you're talking about a personal relationship with somebody else 
you go, oh, no, yeah, I don't do that. Oh, yeah, I don't do that. You know, sometimes I think badly of them when, without even telling them mm. and things of that nature. And so it's such a, a contrast of what, when we're left to our flesh, to just mm-hmm. sit with that anger or that disappointment rather than go to love, unconditional love, and serving yeah. that person. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so mm-hmm. bear with me. Mm-hmm. On the one you brought up earlier, there's sort of a, an imaging of God. And yeah, there's like some significant differences between if you could call it God's emotional life, if you want to call it <laughs> yeah, that. Because yeah. like, the main problem is running it from, from us up to God, right? Exactly. So it's not, yeah. God's not like experiencing a storm of different contradictory emotions and yeah. like whichever strongest he's acting on. Yeah. Like God is simple and unified and his emotions are ordered. If you can even say that for like a simple God who's not compo- composed of parts. Yeah. Like so any, but all that being said, like there is a kind of sense of, of Christ-likeness. You see Jesus Christ as an example of a human being who's, who's got an emotional life, you know, it's God taking on a human nature with that Mm. comes an experience of emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you've got this conversation here where we're talking about kind of how our emotions tend to feel. There's kind of a a mess to it in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Um, What are we aiming for in our emotional life? Like what's the goal? Like, Like when I think about all the things that I feel that feel like they happen to me, like a lot of times emotions, and I know that's really complicated too, but like, they feel like they just kind of happen to me or they come out of me at, at will. Like, what's my end game here? Like, what am I trying to do emotionally as a human being following God? Mm. And how does the gospel, I mean, obviously we're kind of gospel, yeah. so like, how does the gospel fit in to that? I, I believe our emotions should display the character of God. Mm. And that's what their purpose is, is that it's, we're showing loving kindness, we're showing unconditional love, we're showing servant, servanthood, we're showing... Uh, giving we are um, standing before the world in peace in the midst of chaos when in the in the current circumstances we're in there's so many people that are very anxious and scared and Mm -hmm. angry and feeling rebellious and yet as Christians we don't want to follow that Mm -hmm. we'll be bouncing around with them Mm -hmm. we want to stand as as a pillar that God is on the throne he has not forgotten he has got a plan we can have hope we can have peace and so our emotions are um, tethered mm. to God, and and so we are called to Im, uh, to put that image out there to that's display that character. Okay, so I li- I like that. So what you have then is a sense that our call is to have appropriate an appropriately ordered emotional life, one that that uh, is consistent with reality as it is, given who God is. And, and as such, it's going to stand in pretty sharp distinction to the, the, the way that the world is, tends to handle things. Now, of course, my immediate question is, okay, so how, like, yeah. <laughs> like how, how does one do that? Like, Scott, like, like yeah. how, how, starting where I am now, like, what does really it look like to make? Up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> said by someone who knows me really well. Um, <laughs> but like what? I can help you, Brian. Yeah. What, what, what is, what is movement look like for someone who's going, yeah, yeah I like that yeah. image. And I've never thought about my emotions before this way, maybe. Mm. Cause I think a lot of people just assume them. What do I do? Like, what does that look like? Well, I, first of all, I think we need to appreciate just how radical what Nancy just said. Yeah. Is. Right, like that, that is diametrically opposed to the way that our world even thinks about emotions. Because we're we're not just like we're not just like moving the the line on the scale. We're using a completely different scale. I think the the, the world uses the scale of of positive emotions are good and negative emotions are bad. Right, like happy mm-hmm. emotions are good and sad or anxious or. Uh, scared like those those are bad and so you need to like do feel as few of those as possible and feel as many of the you know happy um fulfilled Hmm. um significant whatever those those emotions are you need to feel as many of those as possible and we're just working on a completely different um scale that and then the scale is and it's actually it actually kind of cross sections the, the world but the scale is the the emotions of Christ, right? A Christ-like mind. I think of, mm-hmm. uh, of Philippians 2, right? Like having the mind of Christ. I think having the mind of Christ includes manifesting the emotions of Christ, which actually involve a, 
some significant sadness, which involved some significant anger at times, which also involved some significant joy and significant peace. The, you, you can't, like, there is, there is in, a, in this sense, there's God honoring um, negative emotions. And I think there's, there's self-focused negative emotions, right? And there's God honoring positive. There's reasons to be happy for reasons that please God. And there's also reasons to be happy for w- reasons that just please yourself and do not please God at all. And so, so first, uh, to get to your question, I think we first, though, have to recognize that we're, like, as Christians, we're, sh- we're shooting for something totally different than what the world has taught us to shoot for in our emotional lives. And it's not just don't ever feel sad or don't, you know, ever. It's, it's, it's bringing our emotional life, just like our thought life and our behavior life, into conformity with Christ. And Wait, hold on, though, just okay. real quick, because yeah, yeah. I, I can see. So there's a way that I think I've done this, and I know other people have done it because they've talked to me about it, where, like, the godly sad isn't yeah, yeah. as sad as the worldly sad. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and the image of Jesus for a lot of people is very, like, he's emoting – but like he's also floating a few inches off the ground when he does it, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and so like, like, is there a distinction? Like when you say we should be feeling sad, mm-hmm. like it, you're talking real sad, right? Like you're not talking yes. like like kind of sad, but be, but the way Jesus did it, which was kind of muted and didn't really hit him that hard. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> for, for sure. For sure. Not and that I, Jesus did that. And just, that's totally. Like, and, and, and it's and, it, and it's. And it's super tough because emotions sure. are so complex and we're kind of talking them in, about them in the, the, the theoretical. I, I mean, a lot of that idea comes from the, just the biblical affirmation, right? That we grieve, but not as those who don't have hope, right? right? Exactly. And, and so there, there, is, there is a hopeless grief that in one sense, I would say is more sad. Like it is, I think because it compounds genuine grief with hopelessness and hopelessness magnifies genuine grief. I think in it, so, so I think in, in that sense, yes. In the other sense though, and I think what you're getting at is sometimes when we experience genuine grief, we mistake it for ungodly sadness, mm-hmm. right? We're like, wait, it's not, spo- I, I'm not supposed to be this low, right? I'm not supposed to, to you know, feel this. And, and I think this is, this is where, because emotions are so it's it's probably less helpful to talk about in this like you know neat boxed way this is why the psalms are so helpful mm-hmm. right because i think they provide us with examples of what this looks like right i think there's a, a christianized version of this that would say crying out and and asking god how long oh lord are you gonna forget me forever like there's a there's a a christianized version that would say that's too sad but obviously it's not Right, like this is given to us as an example, and so I think there is genuine grief that, through the temptation to hopelessness, we are reminded and find the, right. the rock in um, that that without that rock, we in that sense are, are tempted to to wallow in hopelessness, which um, and that again that that line I. Uh, that line's an individual, like that, that's sure, an individual sure, sure, thing. Sure. You'd have to walk right. through, you know. I, I, I mm-hmm. can't tell you, you know, how many hours of crying is like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. I, yeah, it, it doesn't work like that. Right. Um, but j- just even having the categories, I think, I think actually just having the categories is an yeah. important place to start. Um, as you seek to a- a- apply the, the truth of the gospel and the promises of God, like it, it, in the midst of whatever I'm feeling, are the do I still remember the promises of God yeah. or are they nowhere to be seen? Um, which again, reminds us kind of where, where our emotions are coming from and also where they're headed. Okay. Very helpful. Mm, so then, good. sorry, that was a bit of a sidetrack, yeah, no, but, but so knowing then that my goal is not just to move away from negative emotions towards a Jesus version of positive emotions, yeah. but knowing that I, my goal is a sense to experience God honoring emotions that are a variety of positive and negative and contextually sensitive and all these other crazy things. Mm. How do I move from where I am now to what, what, what does it look like to kind of have the, the, the gospel speak into and redeem and address my emotions? 
mm. to move me in that direction? Well, all that we just said, number one, that mm. we have hope in Christ, that no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter, you know, as we said, the Psalms are just full of people wailing and crying and sad and grieving and lost and mm. lonely and all of the above that uh, people grieve and are sad about. Uh, yet in the Psalms that speak of those things, there's always somewhere in there where they say, but when I went into the sanctuary of mm -hmm. the Lord, I remembered, mm. I remembered. And uh, for us, the gospel brings that hope. Christ has overcome the world. He has overcome our sin. He has overcome. He has given us a future. He has given us eternity. That's our hope. That's our joy. And no matter how deep the grief we know in our hearts, the Spirit has sown that truth in our heart. And mm. though we, and we hang on it while we're crying, we hang on it like a child that's been hurt, mm. runs to their mom, runs to their dad, and they're hurt and they're crying. Something happened at school and they're just so hurt and disappointed and they just cry their hearts out on our lap, mm. knowing that they're getting comfort, knowing that they'll be encouraged, knowing. Mm. But they don't stop crying as soon as they run and jump on your lap. Mm. It doesn't go away like that. They continue to cry until they cry it out and continue to receive that comfort. And we will continue to receive that comfort for whatever the length our issue is taking. And for some people, it does take years and years and years. And yet we trust. And as a body of Christ, we should be sensitive to those who are going through things year after year after year and remember to come alongside of them and encourage them and be a part of that journey with them and not let them feel isolated in that journey mm. so we're called to do that as well uh, yeah I, I mean I, I and I think yeah, it's so helpful I think the way that you're using gospel Nancy I think it's it's a it's a robust understanding of gospel right by by applying that we're, we're just we're seeking to remind people of the promises of God. And uh, th so it's not just to like say, hey, you know what? Jesus died for your sins, right? Like right. you should remember this and that'll make you feel better. But it's it's in the midst of that reminding people of certain truths about certain promises that God makes, certain truths about who he is that meet them in the moment and and, uh, and allow and captivate our, our hearts with who he is so that we can remember that we can trust him so that we can remember that we can look for comfort in him um even when even when it doesn't uh, to use emotional language even when it doesn't feel like it right right um and that and that's a yeah that's a a unique you know it, that's something that I, I think is hard to talk about a little bit in the abstract, mm -hmm. right? About kind of emotions mm -hmm. generally, but it does aff affirm ex exactly that, right? That the reality of who God is um, meets us no matter where the emotions are, even if they're positive emotions and maybe even positive emotions that ought to be changed as well. I mean, sometimes we're like, hey, you need to stop doing that thing because you're always captivated by the way it makes you feel, mm. right? Like I need to stop eating after 11 o'clock at night because of the way it makes me emotionally feel, right? It doesn't, it doesn't make me physically feel good, right? It makes me, right? And um, there's, and and in that moment, like there's a reorienting of my emotions that's not just coming to God in the midst of a positive emotion, but it's coming to him in the midst of a, or I'm sorry, not just a negative emotion, but it's also coming to him in the midst of a positive emotion and say, wait, you have something greater for me than this. And, you tell me how to orient my life and what that looks like, right? And a part of that is self-control. Mm -hmm. um, and so self-control isn't just like a, okay, stop, don't feel what you're feeling emotionally. Self-control is a product, of, is, a, is a result of seeking to find my, my greatest joy, emotional language, in God and not in the other thing that I'm tempted to break my self-control to pursue right whatever it might be so in that sense i think it applies to both positive and negative mm -hmm. emotions uh, it's a very powerful image like i find it that very helpful the idea of of kind of 
when you're when you get hurt in the playground or, or you know something along those lines you run to a, to a parent to a father say um and you're still crying because you're still sad but you're sad in a different way mm. and that seems to be a really intriguing kind of way to evaluate how you're processing through the emotions because the gospel you know gives you a father that's the that's the you know the adoption element of what Jesus do, does for us. I, that's, that's how I'm going to be carrying. I'm going to carry that with me. That's really interesting. I, I, I want to, so to not stay theoretical, which is where I kind of want to have more discussion, but to make it helpful, um, let's try and do some, some test cases with some common emotions that people have, especially right now. So a lot of people right now are experiencing anxiety. Mm. A lot of people are experiencing anxiety all the time, but mm. right now in particular, so how does the Bible, how does a Christian understanding of emotions help us understand the experience of, of anxiety? Mm. Who wants to go? <laughs> mm. I'm happy to. Go ahead. All right. Um, the, so anxiety is interesting because, I mean, Scripture explicitly tells us to not be anxious. I mean, there's no, there's really no getting around that, right? Um, Jesus says it in Matthew six. Paul says it in Philippians four, right? Uh, do not be anxious about anything, right? But in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request unto God. So, but the problem is, we we feel it, and it and it feels like it happened to us, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that sometimes we we interpret anxiety purely, at least in our world, our world interprets anxiety almost purely as a environmental uh a consequence of our environment right like our the situation made me anxious um and while that's that's true and i think scripture would affirm that i think it would it would take us deeper and it would identify anxiety particularly like paralyzing anxiety as it, it would in a sense i like call it what it is which is fear Right? It's mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a form of fear um, that there's something practically that I'm afraid of. Now, there's a appropriate kind of nervousness and cautiousness, right? There's a, a there's are appropriate fears, mm -hmm. um, but they're ordered fears, right? They're ordered, and when we're talking about ordered emotions. They're ordered fears under ultimately our mm -hmm. fear of God, and as we fear Him, that that fear of Him involves a not just being scared of him, but it involves a, a, an honor and a respect and a recognition of his power and of his trustworthiness so that when, um, when we are consumed with fear of something in this world, it's because we one, one way or another have lost sight of the consuming nature of his control and goodness and love and wisdom. And, so we can walk into situations that we're afraid of, that we're cautious, we're nervous about, we're pursuing wisdom, right? And sometimes saying, you know what, that's not wise because of these certain consequences. But that's different than being uh, captivated by fear, overwhelmed by fear, paralyzed by by fear. Um, which I, and and the problem with as embodied souls, I guess the other thing I would say is as embodied souls, the problem with anxiety is it also isn't. It's not just emotional it's also physical mm. like we experience it physically and our body gets used to it and so when our body triggers things that or when our mind triggers things that uh, the experience of, of anxiety our body knows what to do with that and so it produces certain things it produces certain hormones it produces a, cer a certain experience it produces a certain tension that re that reinforces the fact that i have something to be really scared about right now and so the 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 journey I think from anxiety to uh, a, a wise, appropriately fearful trust, I think it is one that that also is striving to navigate and both recognize and navigate the the physical component of that, uh, see it for what it is. I, I mean, honestly, I, I talked in the last podcast right about how like I kept seeing this habit in my mind that. I would think negative thoughts and I think negative thoughts about the people closest to me late at night. Well, part of that was influenced by the physical, right? I was tired. There were all sorts of things that, that compounded that, that, that triggered similar thoughts and habitual thoughts. And so because of what was going on physically, I had to dis learn to distrust 
what I was experiencing emotionally. Um, mm. And and so, you know what, my emotions don't always, and so this is real, like what I'm experiencing is real, but that doesn't make it true, or doesn't make mm. it based on truth. And so I have to then fight to fill in the gaps and, and, and confront those untrue thoughts that even my physical body is reaffirming. This is what's so weird, like when we learn untrue thoughts, our physical body can serve to reaffirm untrue thoughts. And so I have to confront that in a way that um, with truth, recognizing the fact that it's not gonna be easy, that it's not simply as simple as like, okay, just stop thinking that thing. Um, but one step at a time, remind being, having my mind renewed with truth and who, who Christ is. Yeah, I love that. Um, so many times people feel it's just a feeling and I don't have any control over it. Mm. And I can't stop it. It's, I can't stop feeling that way. Or the, um, but the scripture says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of self-control and of mm. power. So that spirit, the Holy Spirit in us, gives us that ability to control. Mm. And we have to figure out what we need to do. You had to figure out, I need to stop looking at this as a truth mm -hmm. and start looking at it as an untruth and, re and uh, keep my eyes on that mm. and, and train it to go a different direction. Mm -hmm. And so, so many anxieties, people get used to being anxious about everything. And the problem with circumstances, when you're bouncing around with different circumstances, people feel like they will, they'll focus, well, I only get anxious at this one thing, but the problem with sin is that when we give into it in one area, then it starts to bleed into other areas, and they find that they're just anxious all the time yeah. over every little thing. It yeah. doesn't isolate itself. It just bleeds into everything. The enemy uses it to start causing more and more anxiety in your life to different levels. So it's to nip it in the bud is to... Uh, analyze your anxiety. What is it mm. for? What is where is it coming from? It is uh, not. It's coming from the heart. Mm -hmm. Where, where is our faith? Where is our trust? What are we trusting in? What are, what are we losing that is so important that's causing this anxiety? Mm -hmm. What is God doing in this situation? Why is God allowing this? I don't know what He's why He's doing it or why He's allowing it. It doesn't matter. He is sovereign. Yeah, yeah. and He He knows. That's yeah. all I need to know is that He knows. Yeah. And he, he's the coach. He's the game keeper. He's got the game plan, and I don't. Yeah. And that's where I can go, okay, I don't know, but I trust you, Lord. Yeah. I trust you, Lord. And that's the truth. That's the ultimate truth of it. And so then I can speak to that fear or that anxiety and say, I, I, I have to let you go and mm. put my eyes on God. That's the spirit of controlling. It's putting, it's working at it. You do have to work at it. The scripture's yeah over and over and over again tell us how to work on it put on the mind of christ that we have to do that put your focus on christ put on the armor of god i have to put on the armor of god every day yeah. before i go out i have you know things i worry about things that come to my mind that are oh no what if and i have to put on that armor of god and say no god you are in control i'm going to focus on the things of today mm. and Matthew chapter 6 is such a great chapter for people who are struggling mm. with um, anxiety because it goes over so many different things. Are you worried about your food? Are you worried about your money? Are you worried about this? Don't worry about those things. Mm. Put your trust in me. Seek me first. Seek the kingdom of God first. Yeah. Um, what do I do while I'm trying not to worry about these things? He says, sufficient are the worries for today. Take care of today. Yeah. Put your focus on today. Quit going into this bigger realm where you don't know what's going on. Stick to what you know. Mm -hmm. Serve God today. Serve him with all your heart. Put your energy in all that is before you. Mm. And serve him at work with your kids, with your husband, with your friends. Serve him. Uh, those are the things that we can do to come against it. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And, and I, I, you know, there's a part of me that's, I get afraid that some people are going to hear that and feel like feel like it's a little bit harsh right that wait i'm anxious and like there's a part of that that's like sinful right that, that comes from like a, a sinful place um but the reality is until we recognize that there's no hope for anxiety right that right? is the hope that is the, the that hope is the yeah hope. the hope is that because if if it's if it has to do with our hearts then the god that's what jesus came for right, right? that's what right. his spirit is coming in and, and not only is there hope but there's also no condemnation 
Because I think sometimes when we feel like, oh, if I have, if there's any part of sin in it, then then you're condemning me. Well, no, wait, no, that's the gospel too. Right? There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's tons of grace, and there's plenty of grace for that too. But we, but we're not going to be able to move forward. We're not going to be able to grow in the midst of this, and 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 to um, our, the only way for our emotions to be sanctified to become more like Christ is through recognizing the, the ways that our fallen hearts are contributing to them and striving to be captivated again and again and again with the gospel. Right. Yeah. And that's a key too, again and again and again. It doesn't all <laughs> every day. every day. Yeah. You know, every yeah. day um, I have to stop and do that. And mm-hmm. there was a time in my life where um anxiety did just that it started with one thing mm. and then it grew and it just started and i thought as soon as that's done phew, i'll feel better but yeah. it bled into other things and then all of a sudden i realized i am anxious about everything and for me to um and now i, I still com- combat it mm. every day mm. uh, but i can tell you the hope of god speaks to it every day and it quiets quiets me but i still have to go there mm. every day again and again you know that's that's so interesting, and I think I think so important to hear too, because I think that there's a there's a part of I know there's a part of me that feels like okay, there's this area of anxiety in my life, but once there's a vaccine, it'll be gone, right? Right. Like exactly. it'll be gone. I won't. I want. Then I won't struggle. And I think what we're saying is like no, there, there's actually something else going on here. Um, and, and yes, that's a significantly, you know, a pandemic is a significantly like anxiety inducing situation that we have to grapple with in our horrifically fallen world. But, but it's, it's not quite that simple. Mm-mm. And, and to the extent that we kind of just, we sh- we should give ourselves grace and accept God's grace in the midst of that. But we also shouldn't just give ourselves a pass because it, we are, it, it does, it does bleed. It doesn't stay. Sin never stays in its cage, right? Exactly. And, it's, and it's a little like assigned. It's, it's assigned area. That's why, that's why Paul calls us to kill sin, not cage it. Right. That's there's that's intriguing, um, because what what you guys are saying is that if I'm consolidating this mm-hmm. correctly, what you're saying is that we emotions are not things that crop up out of nowhere and then disappear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That, and that there's a two-way street in it such that, like, for example, right now, we've, we've got a, a, an anxiety-inducing situation, but that there are certain actions that we are taking that are either going to increase or decrease our emotional responsiveness to that, both in quantity and in quality. Mm. So, for example, if you... We talked about this, I think, in our earlier podcast. But the first thing you do every morning is pick up your phone and check the news. Mm-hmm. That's that's a kind of habit that's not simply an external habit. It's it's a habit that's going to inform your emotions the same way a hormone would. So that when we're out yeah. of this, it has, to, to, to put it maybe uh, extremely, but it's metastasized yeah. past one issue into an approach to the world and to life that is an emotion that's feeding a certain emotion. So. In some ways, you guys are saying we are always uh, redirecting our emotions. We're always yeah. dealing with our quality and quantity, even when we don't realize it. Everything we do, everything we choose, is going to have an emotional impact that lasts beyond that specific moment, that specific feeling. Feelings are fleeting, but emotions seem to have a larger purchase over us than that. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to navigate that is to have some sense of rock and security in the gospel mm-hmm. that allows you then to to cop to it, to find grace in it, and to be able to do it again and again and again, and to be freed to do it in these variety of ways that might require you to give certain things up that give you an emotional hit yeah. of positivity or something, mm-hmm. or the, of, of uh, avoiding negativity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, is this is this the kind of thing where you just fill in the blank? I get the exact same approach. Like we did anxiety. Yeah. yeah. So like, anger. Yeah. Is it the same? The same. What, what are the similarities and what are the differences when mm. right now people are experiencing anger too? Like what, what changes and what stays the same about the approach? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, in some ways, I, I think a lot of it does stay the same. Um, and in one sense, 
in one sense, I think the difference between anger and um, anxiety might be just as significant as two different people's experiences of what they call anxiety, <laughs> right? Like I think people's experiences are so unique and their emotional lives are so unique and influenced by so many different things that um, when you talk in generalities, I think a lot of ways that the truths are the same. Um, and I, I think that maybe one of the most significant differences is uh, ang anxiety is the fear of losing something. I think anger is the emotional response to actually losing it. Mm. Okay. Right? So right. anxiety lives in this. Uh, the what if. Yes, mm. exactly. The what, the what if world. Anger lives in the reality world where it feels like it actually lost mm. what it loves. Um, and when I, if I love something, right, and, and this is, if I love something, and especially if I love it, in my, if my heart is manifesting a love for it greater than God, um, then the loss of that produces anger, all right, produces me trying to grab it mm -hmm. back um, or just respond in the, you know, lashing out at whoever, you know, that is. And, and this is where, again, I mean, both anger and anxiety are in the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> mm. They're, I mean, they were at the core of what Jesus was redefining and actually maybe defining as his upside down kingdom. Like his kingdom is an upside down kingdom. It does not make any sense in this world. This is why in, in Romans 12, he says, right, don't avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. Like so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And he says more than that, love your enemies, right? Do good to those who you would, who, who anger would. Now, anger really has a, also is related to the um, breaking of justice, right? Mm -hmm. Like to injustice. And so in that sense, I think just as there is uh, appropriate concern that you might call anxiety, right? There's godly concern. Um, cause Paul also says, don't be anxious about anything. And then he also in other places says, I'm anxious to come to you. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, I, I, we can use these things depending on where they lie, where our priorities, where our heart lies and our, our idolatries lie, where, where our, um, allegiance and worship of God lies. We can have a godly concern for things. I think we can also have a godly anger for when things that are, um, when God's justice has been um, broken, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. Anyways, denied. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. And but we tend to actually, when we tend to feel anger, isn't when uh, God's rules have been broken, but when our rules have been broken, <laughs> which again show, kind of shows us, points us to where like where our ultimate allegiance lies. Right? Is my anger a manifestation of the fact that, wow, God is, um, God's rules have been broken and like this d dishonors him? Or is it simply my rules have been broken? Um, you've gone against what I want you to do, and, and uh, which is oftentimes, much more often, I think, where our, our, our anger comes from. Mm, yeah, definitely anger comes from more pain, mm. actual pain mm -hmm. from a certain uh, circumstance or issue or... Uh, just disappointment in other yeah. people, the, all, those, all those things. Um, in today's culture, I think um, anger is coming from the lack of control mm. over what things are happening. And, um, you know, seeing uh, the results of mm -hmm. some of the control. Um, in uh, Claris, we see lots of, you know, results of control that we, we wish could be addressed better. Mm. But... Um, but as far as the anger, it's it tends to go towards who's issuing the control, and we tend to put that focus on the governor and the mayors issuing these controls. But as Christians, we need to know and remember that God is sovereign mm. over the governors. God is sovereign over the mayor. God can turn this on a dime. God is still in control. He is not surprised mm. at what is happening, and we can... Um, instead of rebel and kick against what's happening, we can continue to serve mm. and to uh, uh, preach his gospel, to help and to love. Um, in I had to even check my own heart when we're watching all of these things on the news about the destruction and mm. statutes and mm. 
you know, uh, Caesar seizing, the seizing of the six blocks, and mm. we see all of these things, and it just seems like chaos to us. And I just had to check my heart and say, you know, Lord, I, ha- you know, I haven't even been praying for those people. Mm. I haven't even pray- been praying for those who are involved in all of this writing. I'm praying for their hearts. Um, I've just been angry to see it. Mm. And yet God calls us to pray for them their 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 need is the gospel mm. and if i'm angry at them i'm not going to pray for them and share the gospel with them mm. and so uh, if we look at our anger in that way we keep the focus that god is in control even though we don't see it we feel things are out of control our lives have been turned upside down yet not to god yeah hasn't been turned upside down to god i can still get up in the morning and i can serve anyone he puts across my path i can look for the opportunity how great is our opportunity during this season mm-hmm. to be a light um and some of uh, th- the friends that i've been encouraging and talking with that have been struggling they've they get to that place where they're actually feeling content and then they say i feel guilty that i feel content mm. when in the midst of all this chaos but the encouragement in is we need to look content. We need to have that peace because the world is watching us. Mm. And this is a time that we can shine and have s- uh, such an opportunity to share the peace of God and to impart that hope and change, you know, give that opportunity for God to change their hearts. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Um, there's been a lot that we've talked about mm-hmm. and someone's listening to this. Mm-hmm. And later today, or maybe reflecting on yesterday, mm-hmm. given some of the categories that you guys have provided us, they're, they're going to, be, let's just say later today, they're going to have some kind of emotional reaction. They're going to mm-hmm. experience maybe anxiety, maybe anger, maybe something else. Mm-hmm. What do, I know that you could, you could do a lot of things that you could say to them, but what are some things that after what we've talked about, you would each want them to hear? Like, what are the things you'd want them to hear as they later on today catch a medium-sized, you know, mm-hmm. like, like anxious reaction um, or uh, sad reaction. What, what, do you want, what do you want them to be thinking when that happens? I want them to be thinking to run to their father and sit at his feet, ponder those scriptures that will minister to their heart, to their hurt, to their struggle, uh, that they would not be condemned that they would feel encouraged that they would trust that god has a plan for their life that god is doing something in their life and that nothing is going to stop that purpose and to just keep their eyes on him yeah i mean i think that's that's spot on and i think to to the extent that i think that's exactly it and to the extent that the follow-up thought to that is i can't right or Mm -hmm. i i don't I feel like I, I feel like I can't change how this feels. I feel like I, you know, the emotions are too strong for me to go turn to God. I think that's where I would just invite them to confess that to the brothers and sisters around them, right? To a roommate, to a spouse, to a community group member, to a, to a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is the whole reason why we need um, – we need one another. This Community. is why Hebrews tells us, right, to, to exhort one another every day, right? Because And there, I think the reason is because we, by design, need it every day. Um, and, and I think that's another one of the reasons why uh, emotions, why we're struggling so much with emotions right now, isn't just because it's a hard time, but because one of the most significant buttresses to our emotional life pointing us back to Christ in the community with one another has been taken away as well. And so um, we need to run to God. And when we feel like we can't, we need to ask one another for help. help. Like help me turn back to God um, because I feel like I can't. And, and to just, I would just invite you to, to consider, to try to consider the fact that those, that those, 
even even I can't is an emotion. That's an emotional statement, right? That's not a it's a statement based on an emotion. It's not a statement based on like scientific fact. Like you didn't like do a study and realize <laughs> actually no, you right. know I can't do this. No, it's it's an emotional statement. Um, and and in that sense, I think it's actually far much more temptation than it is truth. Um, and I think recognizing a lot of those emotionally geared statements as emotionally the statements as a result of our emotions as more temptation than truth is even just a place to start to like confess that to even just doubt ourselves i mean just to like if you if you didn't know anywhere where to start just like just to invite you to doubt your emotion (laughs) your emotion Mm -hmm. the 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 veracity not the reality of it it's real it's absolutely real and it's 100 percent real but that doesn't mean it's stating something that's true Right, that the conclusion that comes from it is, is, is true. So I think it starts there. Turning to God is exactly where we have to go. And when we... When we can't, we community. Can't. And, yeah. and, and to be brave to reach out. Yeah. It does take courage to totally. reach out and say, I'm struggling. But know that we all are struggling. Mm. I'm struggling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I need community. Yeah. yeah. There's something beautiful about knowing that individually and together we come to Jesus who knows what we are feeling in a very deep way because he has his experience, his own experience with it, and then has made such a sacrifice to then allow us to not turn it into what we want it to be, but to make it what it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he surrounded us with brothers and sisters to help with that. And that's what, so if you're listening to this, um, what I, I, you know, I also want to tell you that like you're, you, we're, I am talking with two, two of multiple counselors we have at the church. Yeah. Um, and if you feel like your emotional life or any part of your life it just needs help, um, don't be embarrassed. That's what we're here for. Yeah. And we're all a mess. As one book Amen. happened to put it. <laughs> every, time. every time. Every time. Yes. Every time. But this is, but, but, I mean, this is serious. And the, I think the book is very good. And, it, and, it, and the reason I think it's so good, and I, I try and plug it all the time, is because I think it deals with real things that we all are dealing with. And if you need something uh, that we can provide you, please reach out. Email help at cornerstonewla.org. Mm. You know, talk to your community group leaders. Talk to some, email us pastors. Like, mm. we're, we're here for you. Um, and we want you to be able to experience Jesus' compassion and his redirection um, and his transformation in your life, um, and we want you to be a part of helping us do it too. Mm. And so, you know, please uh, take advantage of any uh, help that you need that we offer uh, in yeah. all these different ways. Um, we love you. We're sad we don't get to see you the way we, uh, we used to, but we know that we can still have each other's back and still help each other see Jesus more clearly uh, and live according to his way uh, more thoroughly in this time. So... Thanks for listening, and we'll see you virtually on Sunday. (laughs)